Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Debbie Marketplace. I am your host, Shane P. Hallam. Uh, unfortunately, um, Kane will not be here. Had a bit of an emergency that I'm sure he'll he'll tell you about when he gets back or at some point. Um, but I'm joined by our analytics man, Michael Nelly Nelson. Can I say that? I feel, I feel like it flows well, Nelly. I might, I might start using that. I haven't heard that one before, but that one, that was pretty smooth, Shane. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, I know like Nelly Nelson's kind of repetitive, but I feel like it sounds good. So I'm going to, the you know, whenever I host this again with you in two years, then I'll, uh, you know, I'll do it again. Um, <laughs> so we, we have a, a, a special episode today I'm really excited about, and we did this last year, but we are bringing on Kent Lee Platt, or you might know him on Twitter as Math Bomb. And if you've seen during the combine here, those cards floating around, people talking about Raz, the relative athletic score. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind all of that. And we're happy to have him ask some questions and talk about some of these fantasy positions, their combines, and how Raz can help you in your fantasy drafts predict NFL success. So, Kent, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for taking the time. I know you've had a, a really busy weekend here. It's always a fun week when it's combine week, man, but I'm glad you guys are having me on. So let's let's just kind of kick it off. Can you just give a rundown of what Raz is? Might be some listeners just kind of saw the cards float by on Twitter and not really understand what these numbers mean. Um, and the, the website to go to is ras.football. Pretty easy to remember. Uh, I have lived there today uh, working on my rankings and, and updating my seven-round mock I released today, so... Um, just give kind of a rundown. What, what what this is, what are you measuring, you know, what, what are we looking at here? Yeah, RAS was conceptualized as a way to to put some context on the testing measurements that we get every year at the con- Combine and Pro Days. So whenever you hear something like, oh, this guy ran a 4.52, it, it gives you an idea of whether or not that's good. And, of course, that matters by, about what position it is because a 4.52 for a wide receiver is very different than a 4.52 for a defensive end. For a receiver, that's yeah, it's kind of okay. But for a, a defensive end, that's fantastic. You love that, right? And Raz helps put a number on that. It, it, it grades the player's metrics on a 0 to 10 scale, 0 being bad, 10 being good. It's color-coded just like a stoplight. Green is good, yellow is fine, and red is not great. Um, and then it takes all of those numbers, and it, it creates a composite score that's also a 0 to 10. So you get a good idea of what their overall athletic ta- talent is just based on how they tested at the combine. Um, we've been able to find some correlation with that, with uh, draft position, Pro Bowls, 1,000-yard receivers, 1,000-yard rushers, how many sacks a guy gets per year. We found some correlation with that stuff. So it's not it's not predictive in a traditional sense. You're not going to look at it and say, oh, this guy's got a high score. He's going to be good. Uh, but when you look at the guys that are good, most of them are going to have high scores. 
Yeah, and so within that, have you found positions, uh, maybe certain positions that are more um, athletic, athleticism is stickier to success in the NFL compared to maybe some other positions that are the opposite where athleticism might not have that much of an effect? Yeah, you know, tight end is has been really correlated. There's never been a tight end drafted in the first round that didn't have a score at, at least above average. Actually, I think the lowest one was in the sixes, so it, even a, a little bit more than just a little bit above average. Um, it's been really it's been really correlated for defensive ends, for pass rushers, for pass rushing interior linemen. It's it's shown a lot of correlation. Um, we've seen it with wide receiver, with cornerback. Uh, the only position we haven't seen it in any meaningful way with is center. And while there is a correlation with quarterback, um, I don't, I don't believe it as much because there's, there's just so many other things involved. That's like, it can't just be that, right. That, that can't be the number. Um, but there's always at least, there's at least something with every position that you can, you can try to find little trends there. So I, I had you on our draft countdown podcast last week before the combine. And uh, I mean, Brian, really Brian did. I, I was just there along for the ride, but uh, I asked this question. I, I think it was a great answer. I think it's something that's going to come up in our discord. We're going to be talking about it when the pro days hit is because uh, we had, you know, we had a ton of players for whatever reason, not do certain drills or not be able to not do the agility stuff, especially. And we might get some of those numbers at the combine, uh, are those just going to get added to these cards kind of as is at the pro day? Is there any adjustment that could or should happen? Um, you know, how, how do you kind of work the combine versus the pro day and determining the numbers and how does that play into everything? Yeah, there's a hierarchy to it. So if a player tests at a combine um, and we have, there are multiple combines, you have the NFL combine, we have the HBCU combine, there's a CFL regional combines, there's other combines. Of course, there's the big one. Um, if a player tests at a combine, that's a standardized test. So we always use those numbers. If they don't do a test there, then we'll use their pro day numbers. That's that's perfectly fine. Um, we don't do any kinds of adjustments. And, and we mentioned this before. There, the problem with doing an adjustment is it assumes that there's going to be some kind of blanket difference between a run from the combine to the pro days. And we just know we know for a fact that isn't the case. Um, some schools have no adjustment whatsoever. Ohio State even has slower times when they run at their pro day versus the combine on average. And there's a lot of other schools that are like that, where it's a little bit faster. It's a little bit slower on average. It's a little bit faster. If we take all the scores over the course of the last 35 years, and we look at guys who tested at both combine and pro day, it's a little bit faster, but we don't know that that's track conditions. That's also, they know what time they had and they're testing a second time to get a better time. So they've been practicing and testing and trying to do better at it. Um, could it be a faster track? We actually saw that in Indy this year. Um, Indi Indianapolis got new turf, and they believe that that is in part why we had so many fast times this year at the Combine, because they have brand new turf. Um, but it also affects things like the shoes that they're wearing, You know what, what type of cleats they're going to wear when they're going to run, whether it's on grass or on turf, and how, how the turf conditions are. There's so many things that go into it. There's no way to put any kind of blanket adjustment on it. Yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned that the great thing about the combine is it's sort of a standardized test. And so that's what kind of this year there's been a little bit of an uproar, at least some questions about, hey, why are these times so great? And you mentioned the the turf, the turf could be could be a factor. Now, 
do you do anything with your numbers uh, to uh, adjust for that? I assume not. You just treat it as is. Um, uh, just kind of explain how you're handling the fact that uh, these numbers are are seemingly much faster than they, they have been in the past. Yeah, I don't make any adjustments. I always use the times that are given by the NFL because that's that's the same source. We always try to use the same source whenever we can because that way we're comparing like for like. And if there is an adjustment, then that's going to be made on their end. We're not we're not making any adjustments like that. Um, it's the same thing with when you hear a, a coach or a, a player said, "Oh, this this Steelers scout had a faster time on their stopwatch." That's that's great. But if you're comparing that to all the times that we get reported by the NFL, that's not really the same set of data. That's a different person with their own stopwatch who's putting that time into their own database. Those could be uniformly faster across the board. We don't know that. We don't know if that's any more impressive. It might even be what you would consider a slower time if you compare it to the group of data that they have. Um, so I don't make any adjustments across the board, and I, I don't really think there's any need to. What's good, though, is on my website at, at Raz.Football, when you pull up a player, there's a calculator feature right on the card now. So if you're like, I think that might have been a little bit slower, you can go, you can go and enter in another time and just hit the go button. It'll show you what that score would have been. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do, sorry, just real quick. One of my favorite things to do when you mentioned that is looking at a quarterback who's kind of raw going in the, in the third day, like Felipe Franks and putting him as a tight end and seeing what his, his RAS score would be instead. Look, I did that with Jordan Davis this year. I was like, let's move Jordan <laughs> Davis, 341 pounds of tight end. He's still he's still up at the 88, you know, eight point. <laughs> like, man, let's 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 do it. I, I I just need some creative coach to draft him, just start plugging him in on offense somewhere. That's all that's all I want. That dude, that dude was insane. He actually had the 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 second highest grade of any player across any position in the entire RAS database behind only Calvin Johnson. And Calvin Johnson's worst metric was a 97th percentile 10-yard split. That was his worst wow. test. So if if that's the only guy who's better than you, I think you're doing all right. Well, let's let's get into some of these specific players. Now let's start quarterback a little bit. Uh, quarterback's always like you said, kind of weird that maybe, maybe there is somewhat type of correlation, but like quarterback has a lot involved. And we were talking before the show, we never get to now anymore see the super athletic quarterbacks like uh, Lamar Jackson, like Malik Willis run that 40 and get to see them work out. But we did have Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter come in. Can you talk about what, uh, you know, what you saw from him? How does he compare to maybe some of the historical quarterbacks and especially from fantasy perspective, we're looking for rushing quarterbacks. Um, you know, is, is, is this a positive here for him? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little upset that he didn't run his three cone because I was I was I was predicting him to get up in the in the nine five and above. And he ended up as a nine point two four out of ten, which is still incredible. That's a fantastic athlete at the quarterback position. Um, Desmond Ritter or Kenny <laughs> Desmond Ritter. We're on John Desmond Ritter. I'm getting myself crossed between different guys. Um, Desmond Ritter is a fantastic athlete. He ran a four four nine. Um, he had good agility drills. He had his great explosion drills. He did all these great tests, and he's he's super athletic. And you're going to see that kind of stuff on the field when you watch Desmond Ritter in an offense that's going to use him. Cincinnati tried to at times, and he was successful in those plays. And I don't think they utilized him as much as they could have as a runner. 
in the NFL, he's going to get some of those opportunities. And that should, in theory, open up an offense a little bit more. Um, if not, if you're trusting of his arm, then this is just a bonus. This is just something else that you can get. Um, we know that uh, Justin Herbert was one of the best athletes of all time at quarterback. And um, he just didn't get used that way in Oregon. They didn't use him like that kind of athlete. They, they kind of misused his talents. In the NFL, they were like, okay, we're going to get you on the move a little bit and see what you can do with your arm when you're outside of the pocket. Um, but from a pure pr predictive sense, you're, you're talking about a position with, that uses so much about reading the field and about your arm talent, which isn't in any of these tests, your accuracy, which isn't in any of these tests, um, your ability to look off different positions when you're trying to make throws, that's not tested in any of these. None of those are tested here. It's just the ability to run and move and jump out of the pocket. And some of that's useful, but the, the extent at which it is, is, is probably not very large. So we could pivot over to the tight end position then, which you said is is much more predictable in terms of uh, draft capital and future success. And and for me personally, I love using Raz for for uh, for fantasy purposes for predicting tight end success. I mean, all the all the elite tight ends in the NFL, Sands, uh, Zach Ertz are are nine plus Raz scores. They're all just better athletes than everyone else on the field. And what I noticed with this class is none of the bigger names have have been as elite of athletes. Meanwhile, we have two kind of lesser known guys in Jelani Woods and, and Daniel Bellinger, who are, are only two nine plus uh, Raz scorers. So um, just what are your takeaways from the tight end position and their, and their testing so far? Yeah, it's a bit of an unheralded class and we didn't really get full testing from some of the guys we really needed to in Trey McBride and Isaiah Likely, who both were expected to test well. Uh, McBride didn't really test as well in a couple of things that he did do, so I'm a little worried about that when he goes forward at his pro day. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned we had Jelani Woods and Daniel Bellinger. Nobody was talking about those guys as the breakout stars of the combine when we came into it. Um, Jelani Woods is 6'7 and ran a 4.61. That's a height-to-speed ratio that you can do something with. Um, when you have something like that, the question then becomes, well, why don't we already know what that looks like? Why can't we go to his college tape and just see that all over? Um, a lot of times it's just that they haven't been developed. Colleges are not great at developing tight ends. And the ones that do don't generally develop them to be these really big weapons, with the exception of probably Iowa. Um, they don't really develop them to be these big weapons on the field. They just use them as the outlet for their guys. So they can get a ton of catches. You see that with Charlie Kohler this year where Charlie Kohler didn't test. So I'm, I'm speaking from what I've seen on the field and not his actual testing here, but um, you know, he, he doesn't really move that well. He's not very fast, um, but he's, he's able to catch everything and he's always open because they get him in positions where he can be open and they know he'll catch it. That's useful in college football. It's not quite as useful in the NFL. There, there's there's a, a spot for it. There's a job for that guy. Uh, but this isn't going to be your Jimmy Grahams, your Rob Gronkowskis, your you know Kittles and Kelseys and guys like that. You're not going to do as much with those guys. So somebody like Jelani Woods and Daniel Bellinger, who both tested really well, those are the kind of guys you look at and say, what can I do with these guys to try to develop them on the field? Um, which is also why you see tight ends outside of the first couple of rounds that pick it up after a couple of years and find their way onto a football field. 
Um, that's why you see guys like Kittle and Kelsey who find success because they're able to they're able to be given that amount of time to develop and use their athletic talents on the field and become that mismatch. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Bellinger is definitely the guy that like just gave me pie in the face because he was the blocking tight end. I remember even the senior boy invite was like, ah, oh, man, what's this blocking tight end getting there? And then, you know, he does that at the combine. I, I'm, I'm going to look stupid at some point when he's good. And there's lots of tape of me just bashing the guy. Um, ultimately, uh, let's, let's, let's swap over to running back. Cause I think one of the players that fantasy players right now want to talk about is Kyron Williams, the running back from Notre Dame, who, you know, I, th- I think in a way the broadcast kind of maybe cast him poorly with the unofficial times. The running backs were, you know, one of the ones that, um, a lot of guys got faster and Kyron Williams did too. So the unofficial time in the four sevens got adjusted down to four, six, five, but, you know, maybe even more concerning is some of the explosive drills didn't go that well for him. Um, can he can he pick it up? The one thing, you know, none of, these, none of these running backs do the agility drills, and that might be where he shines. Um, can you talk about maybe, but for him and maybe running backs in general, how doing those at the pro day, how much could that change their RAS? And, it, you know, could, could, could that be enough, I guess, to put him in a spot where, maybe we're not so down on Kyron Williams because he's just not athletic. I mean, this is one of those scenarios where you look at it and you go, well, it has technically worked before, but you're not, you're not trying to compare him to a guy where it's worked before because it's not a stylistic thing. Not being fast isn't a good trait. Not being explosive isn't a good trait. Being small isn't a good, good trait. Having short arms and small hands aren't good traits. None of these things are good. Um, you mentioned that he didn't do very well in the 40. He didn't do it re- well in any of his tests. He was below average in every single test that he did, which is unfortunate. I mean, you have a guy that's talented in college football, and then they try to project to the pros, and they just they just don't hit on any of those check marks. Um, we have seen guys that don't test well find their way into the NFL. It just doesn't happen often. The biggest issue with him is just how much money he's going to lose from it because that's that's a huge drafting you're not going to pick a guy like up like that in the, the early couple of rounds. I don't, I don't care how good his tape is. You're, you're probably not going to pick him up. NFL teams are very stingy when it comes to their draft picks. And if they pick a guy who's tested really poorly, they have to have like immaculate tape. And the question for him is going to be, does he, does he really have that kind of tape? And I, do, I don't think you can really say yes to that for Kyron Williams. Um, a lot of people like his tape, but I don't think anybody's out there going, oh, my God, this is the best that I've ever seen. This guy is just amazing. Um, I, I haven't seen anybody that's pounding the table that hard for him. Uh, but you do have guys like Mark Ingram, who was drafted in the first round, who didn't test well. But Ingram's a bigger dude. He's he's a thumper. He can hit you in the mouth, you know. Um, and then you have Devontae Freeman, who didn't test well in any area, um, who's probably the closest comp you're going to get for Kyron Williams, but even then Freeman was way more athletic and he's pretty low on that scale too, but he was still way more athletic than Kyron Williams. So it's really not a great outlook. Do you carry a a similar sentiment to um, a different position, but kind of a similar result in testings uh, with a guy like David Bell, who um, at least from my point of view, I look at things from a, an analytical point of view in terms of college production and age-adjusted production, and he he's phenomenal in all those metrics. But he showed up to the combine and he he was below average in 
in, I believe, everything that he tested in. Yeah, and when, when, when you go to receivers, it's a little bit like running back in that you have different types, right? There's different types of running backs. Uh, a speedy back is not going to test the same way as a power back. You have different expectations for the type of speed that you're going to get, the type of power that you're going to get. Uh, Tyler Algier actually put up a, a decent Razzlick 7-something. But his actual profile is really good when you look at compared to guys that were successful like Le'Veon Bell and um, uh, David Montgomery, guys like that. They have very similar athletic profiles to that. Even though it's not a great profile, there's ways that you can find it because of typing. The same thing happens at receiver. And you have guys that are you know, your, your possession guys or you have your speedy guys, your guys that are just going to go straight up downfield. Um, you have guys that are great route runners, but all of these things, they tend to have a couple of traits that pop when you look at them on tape. Uh, Cooper Cup always gets pointed to whenever people want to want to point out guys that didn't test well that found success in the NFL. Justifiably so. He's a great player. Um, but he had great agility drills, which translates on the field, the way that he runs routes, the way that he's able to create separation with his quickness. That stuff shows up. The problem with guys like David Bell is where where is that area that he wins at? And if he didn't test in that well in that area, why? And I'm, you know, the combine just happened, so I haven't been able to get back to it too. I also like David Bell coming into the combine, but I don't I don't know off the top of my head what that is that he can hang his hat on. Um, we've had guys that didn't test well do well in the NFL before. Um, Anquan Bolden's one of the quickest ones that, that you can always come up with. I love talking about Anquan Bolden because he's just he's just great. Um, but Anquan Bolden didn't win because he was fast or because he was explosive. He won because he was so physical. And if the ball was in the air, it was his football. You had, you had to beat him for that football, and he was just so physical that you had, you weren't going to win that battle most of the time. Bell doesn't have that. He doesn't have that that uber physicality that makes him such a dangerous guy. Um, that's obviously a really extreme example. I don't think we're ever going to – I would love to, but I don't think we're going to see another Anquan Bolden type for a while. Um, but you just got to find that thing that he does. And if it's not something that's tested and you think that it can translate to the NFL, great. That's that's fine. You think you can still use that. Um, you also want to look out for injuries and stuff. Guys have been doing a really good job of not testing while injured, but it still does happen. You just don't want to use it as an excuse when a guy tests, tests poorly and you be like, oh, he was hurt. And you don't know that. You don't know that. You just want to assume it because it's your guy. Um, but you just try to look out for the traits. Where where does he win? And if it's something that's tested and he didn't do well, why? So I got to ask you on the great Traylon Burks debate. Uh, so Traylon Burks, a lot of people expected him to come in, light up the combine, ended up with a, a 6-3-2 Raz. He didn't have the four – four X hands and didn't come in and run the blazing four, three, nine, four, four, two, uh, ran a four, five, five. Um, basically I just want to get your opinion. Do you think this was, would you categorize this as a good combine for Traylon Burks and expectations were just too high or did he fall short of what would be required for, you know, a, a top 15 pick at receiver? So he definitely fell short of expectations. That's not his fault. I mean, that's that's the media's fault for for expecting those types of things um, and kind of hyping up a guy that and he's a good player, but I don't think he was that four four guy. I don't think he ever really was that ridiculous burner on tape. Um, but I specifically look for that stuff. <laughs> I tend to be looking specifically for those things. 
Um, he's a big physical receiver, and he's got plenty of speed. I mean, four five five is perfectly fine for a 6'2", 225-pound receiver. Um, that's that's more than acceptable. You can get by with that. That's okay. Um, he doesn't really win with his speed, though, on the field. He's a physical guy. We were just talking about Anquan Bolden, the way Anquan Bolden wins. Um, does the testing that Traylon Burks put up prevent him from doing the things that he was successful at in college? I don't, I don't believe that it does. I, I don't, I don't think it's going to stop him from doing the same kind of stuff that he does in or did in college when he gets to the pros. Um, does it mean he's going to be a dominant top 15 receiver? Maybe. I mean, there, there's a lot of guys out there that are going to be faster, that are going to be more explosive than he is, that, you know, they're, they're going to have those better opportunities. And those, you know, Jamar Chase is a perfect example, a ridiculous athlete, had some wrinkles on film, but he had the athleticism to make up for it. Burks is going to have to find another way. And I think that he can. I think that he's a good enough talent that he can still do really well. Um, I don't know that top 15 really would have been that good of a spot for him even before he tested. Um but now that he has, I think that's probably dinged him a little bit in a lot of people's eyes, um, maybe in NFL team's eyes. Um, we look at – this is more just a, out of curiosity. Have you looked at um, Raz over time in terms of class to class and to see if there are any trends that show like in – like a hypothesis would be that over time classes get more and more athletic as – both um, like testing training improves and just simply as athleticism kind of stacks on top of each other. Yeah. It wouldn't be a hard query to put in. I'm actually going to write that right now and see if that comes up with anything. Um, It wouldn't be a hard, hard query to run to see if there's any kind of trends. I think you're going to see some variation from year to year, just because we do have athletic classes. We've seen it with offensive tackle um, this was a pretty athletic offensive tackle class, but we've had a couple of years recently where the offensive tackle class was just bonkers <laughs> athletically um, and and just, just crushed it. Um, and we've had years where we don't really have a lot of those guys that, that tested really well. We're kind of seeing it with the tight end class if we don't get a lot of those guys that test really well, um, where it's just not a great athletic class. Um I think that you'll see that over time. I don't know how much RAS is going to be useful for that because it's a relative metric. So every year it kind of evens itself back out every Mm. year. Um, That's good because if you have a more athletic class in any individual year, you'll have more guys with your eights and your sevens and nines and the higher up numbers. Um, But because it resets every year, um, I don't know if we'll be able to see those trends quite as clearly. That's cool. I hadn't considered the fact that it kind of, it kind of handles that itself because it um, resets every year. Yeah, there's there's two scores. The ones that we we always talk about is the one from their draft year. So when we're talking about a draft guy that is their all time grade because it's this draft year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but every other player, players from previous draft classes, they also have a grade for this year. That's their all time grade, and that changes every year. But if I tried to use that, then we could never use the metric because the moment you use it and we get to the next draft year, everything from the previous year would be useless. It wouldn't be, wouldn't be very helpful. All right, last question for me, then I'll give Nelly uh, one more. Um, Kent, like I, I know you watch these guys too. So who, who were a couple names that just surprised you that either in a good way or a bad way that you felt like their combines maybe didn't match what you saw uh, on film, you saw in college in terms of, their athletic ability or any of the traits there. 
We had a lot of guys that tested really well in this class. Um, but I think the guy that really helped himself the most was Christian Watson uh, out of North Dakota State. Uh, Christian Watson came in after a really strong senior bowl where he was probably the best receiver on the field at the senior bowl during practices. Um, for those of you that did go down there, it was extremely wet and rainy and gross the whole time we were down there. It was not the greatest conditions for a receiver to try to show out. Um, but Watson still caught almost everything thrown at him. He runs really crisp routes. And for a bigger receiver, that's already a big deal before he even goes out and tests. Uh, and then he tested really well. Um, 99.8 percentile for Raz. Uh, ran a 4.36 at 6.4. That's crazy. That's that's a height speed ratio you can win football games with. Um, so I think he did the most probably to help himself. Um, you already mentioned a couple of the guys that probably hurt their stock a little bit. Um, one guy that I did want to mention was uh, Garrett Wilson, Sky Moore, um, and Chris Olave. Um, all three of those guys tested below that 8.0 mark, the, that elite mark that we like. Uh, but I'm not sure that they really hurt their stock all that much. Um, all three of them did well whenever they when they went through interviews. They all the, the ones that did all the drills. I don't think they did all the drills. But in the drills that they did participate in, they looked good. Sky Moore specifically looked really good in the drills that he did. So even though they didn't put up the best testing metrics, I don't think it's going to hurt them all that much because they still did really well in the drills and they didn't bomb the testing. You got to remember, it's not just about getting a magical number that we've created in this, this calculator over here. Um, it's about hitting, it's about checking boxes with NFL teams and making sure that you, you hit that threshold for the guys that they want. Um, so even though those guys didn't hit those marks, I still think that they did well enough that NFL teams are going to be like, yeah, that's fine. We don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. One last question. We'll, we'll have a fun one here. Who do you want to fall to the Lions at two? Who would you like? Who's your ideal selection for the Lions to pick up? At two, I'm I'm still on Kayvon, Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, he's, he's still a really good pass rusher, but we're obviously talking about uh, the offensive guys, so wide receivers. Uh, Lions need them, and there's a lot of really good ones. Uh, Christian Watson's a really good option, whether they look at him at 32 or 34. Lions have two picks within three three right down there. So they've got a good chance to get a guy that they like, maybe two guys <laughs> that they like. Um, Alec Pierce, though, out of Cincinnati, and Cincinnati was the guy. They had a little bit of hype coming into the combine, uh, but I think he left it with a lot more than he had coming into it. Um, he ended up with a 9.63 RAS. All these are unofficial yet. Didn't post that good of agilities, but he had a 40 and a half inch vert and a 10.9 broad, which are both fantastic numbers. Ran a 4.41 at 6.3. That's fantastic. Exactly what you want. Um, so I think he left with a lot of really good hype, and I'd really like to see him in Detroit. I think he could do some good stuff. Cool. Well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna move to our buy sells and unknown stock and wrap things up with uh, with Kent here. So uh, I'll start and I'll I'll make mine kind of combine focused a little bit myself. But uh, my, my buy and is a guy that's probably the listeners are sick of hearing me talk about, but that's Pierre Strong Jr. Running back out of South Dakota State has been one of my favorites throughout this process, and um, I was really excited to see him post that. 9.66 Raz, half a 4.37, um, really good broad jump at, at 10.4. Uh, I, I honestly didn't expect him to work out quite that well. Obviously, he's only 202 pounds, but I still think it pushes him up into that early third-day mix 
where it becomes maybe a rookie, you know, rookie draft pick dart to throw um, later in the draft. So I'm excited for him. My, my cell um, is, is a guy that, I mean, he didn't run the 40 and uh, I was a little bit concerned of the poor shuttle time. That's Eric Edzikonma, the receiver from Texas tech, a player that I know Kane likes. I, I like too. I think he's a good player, but underclassmen coming in uh, bigger guy at, at 62209. And this did good in the explosive drills, but I am, I was worried about that quickness. And I want to see a little more of that agility. He only ran the shuttle four, three, eight, not great at his size for a wide receiver. I'm a little concerned if there's still enough buzz out there, might be a guy that I'm selling. My unknown is uh, Brian Robinson running back out of Alabama. Um, I did not think he would run in the low four fives at 225 pounds. I was impressed with that. Um, and he's obviously not like a super explosive athlete, right? He's not the, the Derrick Henry's and, and even, even, even the Mark Ingram's in terms of how violent he was as a runner. Um, so I, I don't know, like if he gets late day two draft capital, which is seeming more and more likely is, is he a guy I buy into? I don't know. Like how high is he going to go in rookie drafts? I'm not sure. So he's definitely one of those players that, I I don't know if he's that explosive. I I just don't believe it yet. Um, So we'll see what happens. So there's mine, Nelly, if you want to uh, hit yours here. Yeah, sure. We'll stay with combine names here. My buy is a guy we talked about earlier, and it's uh, Desmond Ritter. Um, You know, he he tested really well. And while that might not matter for quarterbacks in general in terms of NFL success, it's it's another indicator that he can kind of be a a fantasy cheat code in, in the fact that, He's going to run the ball at the NFL level. And, you know, I, I think he's just a little bit cheap still in the Debbie uh, in the Debbie kind of market where you can trade for him now because there's a little bit of a negative stigma with him that he's just not that good of a passer. And, you know, that might be true, but if he goes round one, and I think there's probably about a 50% chance he goes round one at this point, I, he's just, he's going to, he's going to shoot up into at least the back end of the first round of rookie drafts and and right now you can get him for cheaper so i like him as a buy Uh, my sell is isaiah spiller who he didn't run the 40 um and afterwards it came out that he had a some sort of slight injury issue but uh, as kent kind of mentioned earlier he you shouldn't usually guys are good about not testing if they have that uh he did test in some of the uh in some of the jumps and he did not test well um, so quite bad actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so that's a little bit worrisome. It might be a little bit of a cop out that th- like the injury could be maybe exaggerated, but I'm worried about him right now. So, so I'd be looking to sell, um, my unknown Kevin Harris, Kevin Harris didn't run. He weighed well and he jumped really well. It showed a certain level of athleticism that I, I don't think very many expected. Now he's super cheap. But I think if he comes and he runs a decent time at his pro day, I think I think he's a guy who will go early day three in the NFL, and and that's someone who's a good guy to have on the back end of your your fantasy rosters. Love it, Kent. Yeah, uh, go, go ahead and give us uh, give us your buy sell unknown. Yeah, I had I had both of these guys up, which is why I was mixing them up earlier between between the two. But you mentioned Desmond Ritter; he was going to be mine. You stole him, um, but Kenny Pickett. <laughs> Kenny Pickett would be a buy. And those who know me, I am not a Kenny Pickett fan. Um, But I think Kenny Pickett's going to get an opportunity really early. We saw last year with Mac Jones, a guy that didn't, people didn't really consider had a lot of upside, didn't have the greatest of arm, but he was very pro ready and he was very smart and he was very uh, 
very receptive to coaching. And I think you've got that same thing with Kenny Pickett this year. And I think that you're going to get some production out of him from a fantasy standpoint, at least for a while, um, whether or not he's good. Um, uh, he's going to get, he's going to get numbers because he's going to be asked to do a lot. He's going to be asked to throw the ball a lot. Um, so Kenny Pickett would have been my dude um, for that. Um, as far as a sell for now, it's going to be David Bell for me. I really want to go back and watch his tape and see if there is something there, but I, I didn't have anything after watching as much of Bell as I had that I could hang my hat on and having him test as poorly as he did is just not a really good sign to have when you have a guy who doesn't test well at all in pretty much any metric, right? Um, you really want to see more out of that. And I think you're going to get more out of, out of some other players. Cool. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll end there. And thanks Kent for coming on. Like I said, I know you're a, a busy man this time of year, so I appreciate it. Uh, why don't you tell the people where they can find you, where they can find everything and, and uh, get in touch with you. Yeah, you can find all of my work is on ras.football. Uh, you can go look up Kenny Pickett and uh, Desmond Ritter and see why I screwed those two up. Um, <laughs> but you can look up any player from the last uh, 35 years. We have it all the way back to 1987, and uh, you can go look up what their scores are. You can compare them to each other now. You can pull up two different players side by side. Um, there's an on-page calculator. You can put in any hypotheticals to see what this guy would have scored if they had run this other thing, or if you heard a score that I don't have. You can always check it out and see what that would look like. Um, you can always find me on Twitter. I'm at MathBomb on Twitter. It's the little bomb with the hat and the mustache. Um, I'm pointing. So for those that you can't see, I have the hat and the mustache. Um, <laughs> um, and you can also find me. I, I run the Pro Football Network Mock Draft Simulator. So if you go to ProFootballNetwork.com slash Mock Draft, you can always go over there and, and be your own GM and run a Mock Draft and let us all know how much better you did than the team's going to. <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't seen the real-life Kent Lee Platt mustache, too, you have to search that out. It is worth it. And, you know, because, because you, you won't say anything, uh, you know, follow him on Twitter at MathBomb, but also in his pinned tweet, if you use Raz for your fantasy drafts, if it's helped you pick good rookies, like toss, you know, five, ten bucks over to, um, you know, PayPal Venmo, because the, the work that that he puts into in the combine throughout the year, and um, I, I think it's just absolutely exceptional and, um, you know, want to keep keep things going. Your, your guy, Eric, over there, want to keep him uh, keep him working for you and doing some some of the hard lifting, too. Uh, so, you know, any help anyone out there can give, I, it's, it's well worth it. And, um, man, I just appreciate everything you do and appreciate you taking the time to come on. Thanks, man. Always fun, too. All right. Well, uh, we'll see. Catch you next week. Remember, you can go ahead and check out the Discord. If you go over to the Debbie Marketplace Twitter account and look at the pinned tweet, you can join the Discord for free and hang out there. And if you want to become a secret shopper, get a second podcast every week, uh, you can also do that. $25 a year, pretty cheap. You can get access to the secret all rankings, the secret part of the Discord, and get a second podcast. We'd appreciate it. So we will uh, check you all out later from Shane, Nelly, and the, the Absent King. Have a good one.